Hello and welcome to the Pot Shot Podcast, an Arsenal podcast for nerds. I'm Alex Towles and this is a brand spanking new Arsenal podcast uh, where myself and Alex Collings Hi. Uh, are going to be talking about all things Arsenal every single week. Starting off the season, we have got ourselves in a uh, real headliner of a guest to support us for our first podcast. Uh, we have got Sav from Scouted Football. Hello, Sav. How are you doing? Hiya, I'm good, thank you. Lovely stuff. On the agenda for today, we're going to look back at Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 0, with a particular focus on our debutants, the three players who made their first appearance for Arsenal in that game. And we're also going to look ahead to the 2022-23 season as a whole and try and predict how we might get on. But before we get on to any of that, there's something which we need to talk about. It has recently come to light that a Premier League player was arrested on suspicion of rape and sexual assault, and it is heavily rumoured that this was an Arsenal player. Uh, Now, we all have opinions on the situation, uh, but we will not be talking about it other than acknowledging it here right at the top of the pod, because, frankly, talking about it is an objectively bad thing to do. Suffice to say, we think women that come forward about this kind of thing are immensely brave and deserve to be believed. We condemn rape and sexual violence of any form. So, with that said, let's get on to the Palace game. A 2-0 away win at Selhurst Park to kick off the season. Sav, what are your initial thoughts on the game? Firstly, I guess from a result point of view, it's a really good result. Going to Crystal Palace and winning by two goals is a very good result. Um... From a performance point of view, obviously, it was interesting. There was, There is a lot of optimism among the Arsenal fan base uh, heading into this season. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, I think the Athletic and their uh, poll thing they did had Arsenal as the most optimistic fan base. Um, uh, and this was always going to be... Yeah, it was going to be interesting to see how the excellent preseason form... Um, developed into this game um from a performance point of view uh the first 20 25 30 minutes uh really good really encouraging uh i mean that gabby jesus run in like the first minute that almost set up martinelli for that left-footed shot i was i was gone that's like if the whole season was gonna be that oh boy Mm. uh yeah yeah. um so after the first half hour and second half especially obviously they came into it a lot more i felt like we struggled to control um and it felt like at times it felt like we were we were kind of stuck between trying to control and trying to transition uh it felt like quite often we were going long to kind of Jesus and Saka and just nothing came from it. Um, And the ball would just end up with Anderson, who was quarterbacking sensationally well. Um, I knew he, I knew he was good at that. I did not know he was that good at that. Um, (laughs) That was, that was ridiculous. Um, And his ability to do that, I thought really helped them sustain pressure on us. Um, and it's it's interesting, I guess, if you go back to certainly early last season when we were kind of on that unbeaten run, but quite often we would score in a game and then kind of 
or collapsed, essentially. Um, and there was a lot of talk of, like, is that something that Arteta once decided to do or is it something that they're just doing? Um, and this was a game where it felt like we scored early on and then we just kind of held out. I don't think I don't think it was that bad. Like, I don't think there was that much, that many uh, chances that, 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 that they created. Um, but that was at least a question mark for me. Obviously, the second goal... Um, it was nice to see Saka create a goal uh, and secure the win. So, yeah, uh, good result. I think some interesting things we can kind of pick up looking back at last season. I think at the end of last season, uh, particularly before certain entries kind of came in, we were aiming to move into sort of a 4-3-3. And that sort of defined a lot of the business that we've been looking at doing. Um, obviously. We, one of the big positions that we still haven't kind of brought in is um, an eight, and Tillemans has been like heavily linked. Uh, we kind of saw Xhaka in the role that I think he would be playing today um, if if we had signed him or whatever magical eight we're after. Um, yeah, then the other position that we've been linked with is, is left back, and we've brought in a left back in Sinchenko or central mid, attacking mid, whatever. He's going to be playing left back for us. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big sort of signing for us because yeah, last season we were inverting a lot already with our fullbacks. Um, we were using Kieran Tierney there, who I'm a big fan of as a player, very good defensively, um, good at holding with, but what he isn't particularly good at, um, is actually inverting and kind of joining the midfield and being like a reference point in that part of the pitch, um, and progressing from there. He's just... He's not fluid enough um, and he doesn't really find the angles to pass forwards from. So that was obviously a big thing for Arteta to kind of bring in. And we have, I'm sure we'll speak about Zinchenko later. And yeah, I think there were some interesting things we can kind of pick up from the game immediately um, before we even get to Gabby Jesus, who was less so like a profile change, more just a really good player who does fit the profile properly. Um, that we were already kind of trying to force Lucker into last season. Um, but yeah, I think one interesting thing that we can pick up immediately was just how much more of a left-sided bias we've, we had this game compared to last season, which was defined by our right-sided bias, particularly with just Saka and Odegaard, like interchanging and combining. Uh, this, this game, we, especially for the first half, we mainly moved things down the left. Shinchenko was heavily involved. Xhaka was was heavily involved. And then we had Gabi Jesus coming out wide and Martinelli coming inside. So there was a lot of very interesting rotations that we had on that side, which I think was quite interesting. One other thing I said is that like last season, it kind of looked like we're going to come into the season with like a really strong 4-3-3 shape, which we didn't so much. It looked more like a 4-2-3-1 uh, with Odegaard coming quite quite central a lot of the time. Um which is an interesting, maybe maybe a little bit unexpected thing to see. Um, and maybe why we kind of lost that like right-sided dominance that we did have last season. So those are my early notes. We've mentioned Zinchenko a couple times already. Uh, so like, let's, let's have a chat about the new boys. Uh, Zinchenko obviously come in to compete with, perhaps replace Tierney as our starting left-back. Alex, you said that you think Zinchenko is going to play uh, like majority of the starting minutes this season. Slav, do you agree? Um, 
I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like the answer is probably yes, because he feels like a more natural fit for an Arteta left back than Kieran Tierney does. Um, Kieran Tierney has a lot of great qualities, but there's always been this thing about him of like, he doesn't really feel like an Arteta player. Um, he's a grit guy. He's, he's a passion and grit guy. He's not a passy passy boy. Yeah, he's Scottish, that's right. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, so, so yeah, Zin- Zinchenko is, you know, he's he's an exciting addition there. It's interesting, obviously, because at right back we have um, Tommy Asu, and also, as we saw at the weekend, Benjamin White can do uh, an admirable job out there. Um, and they are fairly analogous as players they have fairly similar profiles um at least compared to Tierney and Zinchenko who feel completely different um and yeah basically I don't have an answer to your question but I am really intrigued to see what the answer is because it doesn't feel like Zinchenko it, it, you know, think, if you were to say that like Zinchenko is going to start thirty-five, forty games, and Tierney's going to be looking at like twenty games, that doesn't seem like something that's sustainable because of how good a player Kieran Tierney is. So, I am very curious to see what happens there. One thing that will will kind of come up, right, is because I, I I do see Zinchenko being like the nailed-on idea, just because the way Arteta's always seemed to be as a coach with his recruitment is. He's less so like, oh, this player's great. We'll build like a role for him. He's more like, I want a role. Who fits this role? But the one problem I do see happening is I do have some question marks over Zinchenko and Gabriel and how well they're going to be able to like shut up shop on that side. And I think something that might come into Arteta's sort of thinking later is if we are weak defensively on that side, like how long until he actually has to kind of concede and, and go back to, to Tierney kind of bringing him back on the left which actually makes Gabriel a lot more solid too. Um, and obviously we had a very, very good defense, I think, last year. Especially when you look at... When we had at least three of the starting four of our back four, we conceded half a goal a game um, in the Premier League, right? When when they started, of course. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is very strong defensively. It was a bit less fluid like we, we had this, this past game versus Palace. Very fluid in possession, Really nice Zinchenko is rotating in, joining the midfield. We also had Ben White doing that um, along alongside the six. So, yeah, there was just a lot of really nice rotation and it made us nice in an attacking sense. We really worked things well. I think when you bring someone like Tierney back in, that becomes a little bit less fluid. So it's just going to be, it's going to be kind of, you know, having to balance whether we go for like that strong possession thing with we'll have with Sinchenko versus being more solid defensively with, with Tierney. Uh so on to the big man up top. The well, not that big. The new <laughs> number nine. Well the the not that big definitely very man up top. <laughs> yeah, but the really good football player that we have now and everyone's really excited about and everyone's putting their FPL teams, it's Gabby Jesus. Uh, he he didn't get a debut goal, unfortunately, but he he played played pretty well. Uh, I I think it's fair to say. Yeah, no, I don't know what more to really say. Like he played really well. He's he's really good. I think 
he kind of fits everything Arteta wanted from a striker beyond maybe being more of a focal point, which is what I do think we were kind of looking for. But I think he, he offers pretty much everything else. I mean, I'll say, like, I'm actually more and more impressed with him the more I watch him. Like, the way he can kind of, he can rotate out wide and hold that width and then still be the guy getting on the end of things in the box is just, it's crazy. Like, he's smart and he's really intense. And uh, defensively, I think he's, obviously, Arteta is a fiend for, like, attacking players who have the intensity and the intelligence to defend off ball. And I think Gabiosis has both in abundance. So, so yeah, he's pretty much the perfect player we could have got. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's not much to add. Um, I was expecting him to be very, very good, and I am still pleasantly surprised by what I've seen. Um, it's interesting. This is more about recruitment than him specifically. It's interesting with centre forwards because I, um, Alex mentioned kind of recruiting specific profiles for roles in the team, which I agree we do. Um, I think, or yeah, I, I'd say over the last couple of years, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of um, had that as like something of an exception with centre forwards. I think especially at the top level, um, and I think this is the case with Arteta because the type of target that I think Arsenal have been looking at has varied over time. I think there's an element of seeing who the best guy you can get is and using the other players in your team to get the most out of him because at the end of the day, football is about scoring goals. Um, But obviously one of the exciting things about Gabriel Jesus is it's not like he's very good at one specific thing. He's very good at a lot of things, um, which is... Yeah, which is obviously why why he's really exciting. Um, and yeah, the thing the thing that really has just I've enjoyed so much again, as Alex mentioned, is that like one second he's at the halfway line, and the next second he's attacking like the back post, and it's just it's just really cool to see. Yeah, I think I'll add to yeah. subs there. Like I agree, well, largely that that I think we did kind of make some exceptions. I mean, our, our target has kind of changed. Like, Gabi Jesus isn't very similar to Dusan Slavic, who we know that we were quite heavily in for, right? But I think the idea that Arteta does kind of have is that there has to be some sort of things that they, they do that fits what he wants. Um, I can't say I know enough. Actually, Sav will know a lot about Vlahovic. It's one of his guys from from Scouted. <laughs> I don't know how how good Vlahovic is off the ball in terms of defensively, but I think that is something Arteta wanted. But then other things like being able to hold up play, which I do think Vlahovic can do. I know that that's kind of come under question since moving to to Juve, and even when the links with us, whether he could hold the ball up well enough. I think Gabby Jesus does it better. And then, yeah, I think the general flexibility wasn't a requirement for Arteta, but it is something that now that we have it, he's kind of, his other signings have kind of factored into that a lot. Another player who's not technically a signing this window, but boy does he feel like a new signing, who made his Arsenal debut finally in the Palace match. It's William Saliba, and God, does he look good. Yeah, no, I'm really happy. I'm really, really, really happy to see him actually play a game for us finally uh he's actually a player i've known about since before he was even you know came to arsenal i remember him breaking through as an 18 year old at saint etienne which is supposed to be my other clubs like rivals but i couldn't help like loving him as a player instantly he's just you can see he's a very smart defender very composed on the ball too 
And yeah, he's gone from strength to strength. Um, I was sad we loaned him out. Well, let me say, I was sad that we didn't include him in our Europa League squad or our Premier League squad back a couple of years ago when he first joined us after having an initial loan. Then we sent him out on another loan, which was good, but I didn't. I was sad that we sent him out on loan. And then we sent him out on another loan to Marseille, which is another terrible club, but he did well there. Um, and yeah, thankfully he's finally kind of impressed enough to, to not be sent out again. Um, and hopefully I know, I know that there's still like contract stuff, but it seems to be, it seems to be sorting itself out. But yeah, I mean, he, he's amazing. Um, I was wondering how he could break into the team because I think Ben White and Gabriel have a very good relationship and complementary qualities. So I thought even though Saliba, and this has been an opinion I've had for a while, that he's our best centre-back, I thought it might be hard for him to break in, especially since Arteta didn't seem to take to him immediately. So in a way, Tomiyasu's injury was maybe, you know, a good thing for the club as a whole, if, so long as Tomiyasu's not too injured, that it actually kind of gave us this chance to play Saliba and yeah I mean he won man of the match there were multiple moments where he he was really good there was one moment that everyone is talking about where he you know he really quickly reacted to to Zaha I think it was kind of about to get a shot off tackled so cleanly that it couldn't even be like a question of whether it was whether whether it would be a penalty there wasn't even like any sort of sense of that and I think that's what we're going to see a lot from him I think one thing I'll say is he has kind of come with this reputation of being like the super progressive player um, because Marseille, obviously, anyone who looked up like FBF, he was like dominating those sort of things. And it's just the sort of opinion that I think you get with these young center backs now is that they're going to be really good at passing if they're very hyped. I think he's a good passer. I don't think he's an elite one. I think he's more like tidy than expansive, I'll say um, the reason his numbers did so well at Marseille was just he was the main point of reference at the back there. So he was doing lots of little progressions rather than like really um, the sort of stuff that you would expect Ben White to be able to do, right? Um, but yeah, what he is really good at is is carrying under pressure. And I think that's going to be really, really interesting the way Arteta can use him because I think he's got a better sense of like danger and when to kind of when to kind of recycle or when to push further compared to someone like Ben White, who who does like to to kind of go with it a bit more. Um, and I think Arteta is always going to be that sort of like defense first guy. As, as attacking as he wants to make us, it's always going to be that sort of like conservative control, control at all times. So I think he fits Arteta more and more the more I've thought about it. Um, and then, yeah, he's he's a really, really good defender just in terms of reading the game, reacting to situations, um, being able to keep up in, tr um, in behind and defending, running towards his own goal. He's very good at that. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, he definitely grabs his opportunity with both hands, playing play really, really well. And as you said, he got a couple highlight reel clips in there, which is impressive for a centre-back. Uh, Sav, what did you make of his debut? Yeah, it was it was again just really really good. Um, <laughs> it's nice to just sit here and say all the players are good, isn't it? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I broadly agree with Alex about um, the whole Saliba situation. I think the process of loaning him out has been uh, 
if you were being generous has been questionable if you were not being generous has just been bad um but the result is pretty good um the player we have now uh in terms of like vibes alone is amazing <laughs> uh just just like the number of times i've seen like like an image or a gif of the very good top sensation <laughs> thing after he came off the roller coaster is amazing um but i mean he he just it, like it, it it's it's something that doesn't really matter but he just carries himself so well you look at him and you're like this man this man could kill if he had to if that's what it <laughs> took to to win a football match he just he just has that demeanor about him um and and yeah he he just absolutely backed it up with his performance it was um it was very very promising um yeah it's great it's a great situation that we're in yeah yeah it's it's nice to have three genuinely very good centre-backs. Like, White and Gabriel made a very good partnership last season, uh, and then, like, bringing in Saliba as well, arguably a better centre-back, it's like, like, have, having depth, depth there, like, not having to bring on Rob Holding every time we panic, that, that's pretty cool, I, I'm a fan of this. So those are the three new players in the squad that have made their debuts yesterday. Of course, there's also Matt Turner, Fabio Vieira and Marquinhos who have joined up with the Gunners this summer, uh, but we will chat about them as and when they get a few more first team minutes so we can really see what they're about. Uh, in the meantime, though, there's still a couple more weeks left in the transfer window. Uh, is there anywhere you guys think we still need to improve before the window shuts? I think we look good. I think one thing we're still kind of looking for is maybe an eight that can be a bit more attacking in that left spot. Um, I'm not sure how much of a priority that is now. I do feel like we probably need good backup in the sixth position, especially with Sambi finally being seen being seen as more of an eight um, or like a six, eight, whatever you want to call it. Not really like the guy who's going to be the lone pivot, which is not how I viewed him. Um, so we probably do need good backup there. I mean, on any... Kind of fits what we need, but he's he's not really at the level that would mean that if we do need a starter there, that would be good. So yeah, but I'm not so I'm not very confident we'll get someone in there. I've seen that we're we're we might be looking at Musa Diaby as a a winger, which is really exciting to me, is because as soon as Rafinha was out of the question, that was the guy my mind went to. Um, just for a lot of reasons, there's a lot of things to like about him, and then he said. Then he kind of said, like, he's going to be with Leverkusen for the season. So, like, my, my hopes kind of died. But now that I'm seeing rumors, I don't know. I think Sav will have a better idea of how re reliable they are. But but he would be a great target. Um, unfortunately, there are not many wingers out there that I think would be great targets. So, if he's not an option, I'm a bit at a loss for who we actually go for. Uh, yeah, so... Just to be clear, you're thinking of someone like to come in as like not a pe a Pepe replacement on the right wing, right? Like, well, the thing the thing about Musa Diaby is he played he's very comfortable on both. I'd say he's as comfortable on both sides. He kind of had his big breakout season now on the right side, but I think that was just a jump in like everything clicking together rather than that being like a position that suits him. Uh, maybe he does prefer the right slightly more. He offers slightly different things on both sides. But the other really nice thing is that he's very, very two-footed. 
So he can, he can, you know, um, cut in off both sides or he can go to the byline off both sides. And yeah, just in many senses, he also adds a lot of athleticism and like just, just someone who can really like be rapid and take people on, um, which I think we have in Saka, but there's something more about Saka is almost like, there's a bit more of that, like cutting into creates than, than just like, you know, like St. Maximin just taking guys on, which I think we maybe do lack a little bit from our squad. So, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons I really like Moussa Diaby beyond just loving him as a player. Um, so I'd be very, very happy with him. Um, and just another left footer, I guess, as, as left foot, as two footed as he is, he's a left footer, footer and can add that to our, our growing collection for Arteta. So, yeah, um, I largely agree. Um, I think looking at, I think it's interesting because last season Arsenal had a very specific approach to recruitment. Um, by last season, I mean the, the summer of um, Ramsdale and Benjamin White and Martin Odegaard, where it was specific positions and then just getting in the guy who they thought was best for each of those positions or profiles. This summer it's a bit different because obviously there is one or there was one really specific area to address, which was centre forward. But aside from that, it's been a bit more about kind of strengthening the squad in a less specific sense. So obviously there are certain profiles. Um, Lissandra Martinez and Alexander Zinchenko aren't exactly the same, but they are fairly similar Um and one of the similarities there is obviously also a kind of a, a versatility that they're, they're more than just left backs. Um, in fact, you would probably, well, Zinchenko's a bit different, but neither of them you would call left backs really. I mean, Zinchenko's an attacking midfielder, and Martinez is Senebar. something more central yeah. than yeah than left back, um, <clears throat> and. I think, um, yeah, so I, I agree with what Alex said with regards to a midfielder. It's interesting because, again, Fabio Vieira is also really versatile. Uh, you know, the feeling is obviously he's come in as the kind of Odegaard rotation guy, but also he can play deeper, he can play wide, he can play basically any position that isn't defense. So uh, that leaves as Alex said, a midfielder, which I, I kind of agree. I think I think one more feels necessary, and I think they would like if they can free up space in the squad with the other, like, ten guys that we haven't got rid of yet. And then a wide guy. Um, I don't know how reliable the... Diaby stuff is I'm afraid to say Alex um, <laughs> not 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 that it like not that it wouldn't necessarily happen just that like I haven't seen it anywhere to be fair to be fair so you know you know how easy I'm I'm baited I didn't even retweet or quote tweet any of that I, I'm not allowed myself to become hurt but I just thought I'd bring it up here when I was put on the spot but I've actually been good in terms of social media terms on Twitter I haven't even paid it I didn't even like the tweet but but my heart is slightly <laughs> there to be crushed by Musa Diaby saying, I repeat, I'm not going anywhere this season. But but yeah, so I hope you're proud That's of me right. at least. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll offer them a swap deal for Pepe next summer when he doesn't leave this 
Um, yeah, I mean, so it, like, it's interesting with white players because obviously Rafinha was a really exciting possibility, um, especially because he could play on either side. He could play on the left. He could potentially play on the right, freeing up Leroy Saka. You can ask you can ask Alex to go into detail about Leroy Saka in a minute. Um, and it, 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 you know, that's like that's probably the one that um, kind of you can contrast this summer's approach which is a bit more free form towards last summer's it wasn't about like let's go for a winger we haven't got the wide guy we wanted let's go for the next one it was we didn't get the guy we moved for and maybe later in the window we'll get someone um i agree i think like basically having someone who can play football as opposed to nicola pepe in the squad <laughs> would be just such a boost to us <laughs> football club we spent seventy-two million pounds on that man. <laughs> yeah, one thing I think I'll add to what Sav said um, about like the Lissandro Martinez versus Inchenko thing. It's interesting. I actually do see them as like quite different. I understand what Sav means though. Like functionally, well, one thing in terms of players, they both are very versatile, just in different areas, and then functionally, they can both invert. Um, the one thing that I find interesting is like Zinchenko is a lot more attacking and and Lissandro is a lot more defensive, right? Um, I mean, Lissandro's also played left back three times in his career before joining, well, before not joining us, before joining Man United where he'll, he won't play left back. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting, I, I'm very interested with why we wanted him um, and I guess we'll never know. One thought is maybe because as I've said, it's so much more freeform, maybe he was kind of seen as like a Gabriel replacement at times if needed, as well as um as being able to be a six, which I think he probably does have the quality to be, especially given our our system, the six is very important in defensive in defensive transitions. So yeah, I do I do think it's a lot more free form and we kind of in that situation, even though there were like things that Arteta wanted in possession, like being able to invert and maybe having that flexibility in terms of more of a squad fit, like just being able to switch from like one kind of style quirk, I'd say, rather than like principle, he he was able to switch to another. I I personally think that uh, we were in for Lissandro Martinez because Arteta wanted to innovate with a new uh, defensive style, a uh, defensive diamond, four centre backs, uh, <laughs> all playing together at the same time. <laughs> uh, because uh, Isn't he, that just... he's that much of a mastermind, a maverick. So we've had a look at what other transfers we could make in the transfer market before it slams shut in about three weeks' time. Let's have a look a little bit further ahead in time and try to predict what the rest of the season is going to look like for Arsenal. Uh, now, I think I'm right in saying that we're all pretty positive, uh, but I want to I want to hear it. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Uh, South, where do you think Arsenal are going to finish in the Premier League this season? I think we will finish comfortably in the top half of the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would also agree with that. I think that is a thing that we can all say we should do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I 
So I generally don't like making predictions. Well, um, you're going to. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess in, in terms of like what I would like to see, it's tricky because between us, Spurs and Chelsea, it feels like there are three teams potentially vying for two places, mm. right? And it's like, it's basically, you have to predict not only how Arsenal will do, but also how Spurs will do and how Chelsea will do. Um, <clears throat> so I, I guess like in terms of points, I would like to see us at least in the like mid-70s-ish. Okay. I feel like that's a realistic target. Um... I don't know why. I don't have like a reason for that being the number. It just feels like the correct number. You know, like with with league position more specifically, it's hard to be like fourth or fifth, mm. I or third. I, I don't really know. But I think if we are pushing the top half of the seventies, we're in a decent position. Uh, I think uh, that your ambiguity be damned. We're finishing fourth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I feel very comfortable predicting how Spurs and Chelsea are going to do. I feel like Spurs are going to be painfully, painfully good at the footballing activities this season, uh, and Chelsea are going to be pretty mid. Uh, therefore, putting us bang in the middle, in fourth spot. Let's not even worry about United because <laughs> uh, United. <laughs> so I actually am worried about United. I kind of think that it's four teams going into two. Um, I think it's going to be... I think the, there's going to be a first three of... Um, I think Spurs are just going to be really good this year. So I think it's those three gap, the other two being Liverpool and Man City, of course. And then I think it's going to be three teams fighting for, for one place. Um, I think Chelsea are going to dip, but I, I don't know if they dip how much they did. Um, and then I think United will be better. So I, th- I, I I have predicted us being fourth. I want to manifest that. Um, but yeah, I agree with that from a, more of a process point of view. I think points t- totals are always better to aim for because if we have like, let's say we get 76, 77 points, but then somehow there are four teams who, who break 80 points, which is probably, well, it's mathematically possible, I'm sure. Like, you can't really say we've had a bad season. It's just four other teams. It's the strongest Champions League like run that there's ever been. So I think from a process point, I agree with Sav that it's... Yeah, you kind of want to look at like points and, and progress and even beyond that, like underlying numbers or whatever to kind of make the make those judgments. But yeah, I'll be bold. I'll say, I'll say we're, we're going to come fourth. So, so that's the hope. That's the aim. So we're going to move swiftly on to the next competition that Arsenal are also in, which is the Europa League. Thursday night football is back, baby. Sav, do you have any incredibly ambiguous points-based predictions for this <laughs> cup competition? Um, um, I guess it's always tricky with the Europa League because most people, certainly Arsenal fans care more about the fact that the Europa League qualifies you for the Champions League than the Europa League as a competition. Um, so, obviously, I would expect us to get to the final stages, so, say, the semi-finals. Um, but then you get to that point, and it's it's like, if you are in the top four race and you're also in the semi-finals of the Europa League, it's, do you 
prioritize one? Do you care about one more? I mean, saying that takes me back to the days of Unai Emery, where we collapsed in the league and then also collapsed in the Europa League final. Um, so we prioritized neither somehow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh, and I, I mean, also, like, it's a weird competition, isn't it? Because you kind of play a bunch of random teams for quite a lot of it, and then you play Atletico Madrid. Um, they just appear. Mm. Um, but it's a fun competition. So I'm expecting, I'm predicting fun. Regardless of what happens, I'm sure we can all agree that we're going to lose 2-0 at home to Carabag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one to predict. Like, you can be hopeful of a, of a win, but like, I don't think it's one of those things. We could really get knocked out in the round of like sixteen, despite dominating a team, and then that's just the way it goes because it's a cup competition. So it's really just a punt. Um, and then also, like Sav said, like, there's all Barcelona made it right to the end and lost in the final last season. Um, so you can really, you can really get like some random Champions League team making it in and let's say I don't know Bayern have never done this before but let's say that they suddenly botch it and they're in the Europa League like it would be pretty harsh to now be like well we'll win the Europa League and then yeah <laughs> you know what I mean so it's one of those we'll just see how it goes what I'm predicting is is hopefully I'm not really predicting it I'm just ho I'm trying to manifest it that we'll play we'll play the young guys um, as much as we can in the group stage at least So that's the Arsenal bit of the podcast. Uh, so if you don't care about us as human beings, you can tune out now. See you next week. For those of you that are still here, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about uh, a couple of things uh, mainly just to help you get to know us because this is a brand spanking new podcast and we are strangers shouting at you over the internet. So we got to get we got to get that parasocial relationship going. Uh, so we're gonna talk about uh, the other football teams that we support. Uh, and naturally, I'm going to start with the man who uh, is not going to be here next week, probably. Uh, Sav, <laughs> uh, who, who, do you support any teams that aren't Arsenal? Um, <clears throat> I was born in Crewe, so I am, I guess, like a loose follower of Crewe Alexandra, where Arthur Oconquo is on loan. Um... Aside from that, there are, I guess, other football teams that I like, but I don't really pay enough attention to them to actually call myself a supporter. Yeah, that's probably where I'm at, apart from the fact that I have one football... Yeah, so I've got my local team, uh, Bristol City. I was not born in Bristol. I live over an hour away from Bristol, but I live in the sticks in deepest, darkest Somerset. So Bristol City is the closest team that can actually kick a football to me. Uh, and so they are the ones I latched onto from a young age as my local team with massive air quotes. Uh, and the nominated team that I... I, 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 I suppose I support them. Uh, they're my... My token European team, uh, uh, Werder Bremen. I, I really like Werder Bremen. Any reasons for that, or just they're cool? Very similar reasons to why I started supporting Arsenal, actually. Uh, like, so when I first became really interested in football, 
they were playing really good stuff and were very fun. Uh, like, like there was the the error of Meza Erzil and uh, ah, Marco okay, Marion okay. running havoc in European competition. Uh, and so I just kind of watched that. And I was like, "Oh, that's fun! I like that." <laughs> um, but yeah, Werder uh, Bremen for me, as alongside Bristol City. Uh, Alex Collins, you are a Leon fan. Yeah, so so I'm a I'm a Leon fan. Um, alongside Arsenal, I think Arsenal will always be my my number one club, and obviously <clears throat> the one I've grown up with. But but I kind of adopted Leon in 2014 ish. Which was actually weirdly, I've always been a a youth football enthusiast, and that was sort of a bad period for Hale End. We weren't putting out too many superstars as we are now. So yeah, I kind of looked for a a club that was cool, that I thought would be cool, that had nice kits, and yeah, and had good youth, and and Lyon kind of came out top. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been supporting them for the for the last seven or so years now. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, the lack of playing time for Ryan Cherky has been physically painful. Yeah, since. yeah, that hurt. That hurts a lot. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it hasn't been. I won't say I. I joined them in the years after the, all of their success. So, see, so yeah, much like the same kind of age, I, I I became interested in Arsenal was right on the back end of like you know around about two thousand and maybe uh, two thousand and five, which was when I got interested. Also, right after the Invincibles. And right at the end of our before our pro feed out started, mm. so so yeah, maybe I should just stop picking up new football clubs because it's, <laughs> they seem to go through really bad decades before it gets yeah. better. Yeah, see, I I came in in like uh, two thousand and eight, nine, ten, like that period where we had a really really young, exciting team that played really pretty football and never achieved anything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like that that that's the kind of thing that I'm really into, <laughs> apparently. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the other thing we were going to talk about that's not Arsenal uh, is uh, the just around the other opening day things that happened, opening weekend things that happened in the Premier League, uh, and just to talk about our, our favourite bit of football from the weekend. Uh, and I'm going to start this time because I love I've fallen in love head over heels with Joao Polina <laughs> at Fulham. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, midfielders who run around and tackle people. Um, I have been a long-standing Fred Stan. Uh, I was a big fan of Lucas Torreira, and I'm quite sad that that never worked out. Um, and Not Jean enough Pena, running around, to be honest. Too short. Yeah, yeah that was the issue. So. Yeah. Uh, and Jao Polina, there, there was a very specific moment in which I fell in love with Jao Polina, and that was uh, during the game yesterday, Liverpool against Fulham. Uh, Thiago tried to do a roulette on him, uh, and he stuck a leg out, nicked the ball away perfectly, and just battered Thiago to the floor <laughs> and spun away and then sprayed a ball off somewhere else. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I like that. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I am just getting it out there, professing my undying love for Joao Polina. He is now not going to get any minutes for the rest of the season. So, Sav. Um... <clears throat> I've been I've been trying to think of an answer. So the non-Arsenal games I've watched are I watched West Ham City earlier today, and then I watched the Chelsea game yesterday, and it has to be that 
because they played for I think 110 minutes, and I cannot remember a single thing that happened in that My game. My favorite moment about I, that I, I, was I, I, when it ended. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, like for real, I had to just double check that it was Everton they played because I can't even remember the game. I can't remember the scoreline. I can't remember what the what the goals were. If there was more than one, I cannot remember at all. I know I watched almost two hours of football and nothing happened. I did. Didn't even half watch. I didn't even quarter watch. Like, I like tenth watch that game. It was sat on my iPad on the Sky Sports app while I was playing Football Manager, and then while it was playing, I because my laptop need my laptop needed charging. I got up, moved to a different part of the sofa, and sat down and continued playing Football Manager without moving my iPad. That's how much attention I was paying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I actually we were just speaking about it during the break about which games we actually watched. And I said I'd watch three. But actually, I'd completely forgotten that I'd subjected myself to seven hours of Chelsea versus Everton, which ruined my Saturday. But yeah. Like the. The, like the two teams that come into this season with arguably the worst vibes of preseason, starting off the season with a whimper. I love it. Iwobi is playing. Iwobi is playing in a pivot, so I can't. I can't say that Everton are bad vibes. I, I, I flat out refuse to accept that. But. But everything else about them are bad vibes, so I'll allow it. Um, yes, yeah, the one <laughs> bright spark, Alex Iwobi. Yes, finally, eight Iwobi. My favorite bits, I think. I'll first. I didn't even watch the game, but the fact that Darwin Nunez flicked an assist and a goal, I really like because I've decided I'm going to really like him just because a lot of people think he's shit, which he might be, but. But he's Did my shit I, I guy. I saw someone compare it to like a Yaya Sonogo. Yaya Sonogo 2014 <laughs> final. Yeah, our, our FA Cup winner. And I agree. Oh, I, I actually see that. I think that's where my love for Darwin Nunez comes from. But my actual favorite part that I actually watched, um, I will say, is just Danny Welbeck doing Danny Welbeck things. And I think if you went so specific to speak about Paulinho stopping a roulette, I'll, I'll say... Just Welbs like receiving those high balls out in transition, like just taking them out the air with his feet. It's something like I've missed watching him. Um, and he's really, really good at it. I actually spoke about it on my Twitter. Yeah, I, I saw this. You, 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 you called Danny Welbeck the greatest of all time at taking the ball down at speed. Yeah, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't say that specifically, but other people put it two and two together, and I can't really argue it. I can't think of too many guys. Especially at the pace, he can kind of do it, and the way he sets himself up for the next, the next sort of like action once he's brought it out. But yeah, basically, I just love Danny Welbeck, and I miss him a lot. Um, and that's as not Arsenal related as I can get, I guess. So to conclude, uh, we love Danny Welbeck, and we miss him a lot. And that's just about it for the first episode of the Pot Shop Podcast. Thanks to Sav for joining us on our first episode. It will not be his last appearance on the show. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at ScoutedSXV. Thanks to Alex Collings for being smarter than me. You can find him on Twitter at Alex Furco. And of course, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at Alex Towels. Thanks also to James Blake, who's made the music for today's podcast. You can find him on Spotify at JWBlake. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening in. We will be back next week to cover Arsenal against Leicester. See you then. <laughs>